The following content has been rated for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. Well, I'm not an expert. I'm not an authority. I'm someone who has been a murderer for almost 20 years. Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people, then I would have felt better. People say Ted Bundy didn't show any emotion. There must be something in that. I showed emotion. You know what people said? See, you really can't get violent and angry. Welcome to The Squonk and the Hag, a podcast about murder, mystery, the supernatural, and even a conspiracy or two. Dun, dun, dun. My name is Mo. And I'm Kraken. Welcome on in, everybody, to another episode of The Squonk and the Hag. We have returned. We have returned with a Krako tale. Back by unpopular demand, me. So, we're already exhausted because... Mm-hmm. First, somebody was late. That is mm-hmm. not me. Mm-hmm. And then... I don't know who that was. We had all kinds of technical difficulties where I sounded like a robot. Meet more. Meet. Mm-hmm. Meet more. That's what we should have done. I should have just done the entire episode pretending to be a robot. And then it would have been a gag instead of a technical difficulty. Just me reading a story and you, you responding with various beeps. Zero 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 one zero 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 one zero 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 one. And then someone translates it from binary to English, and it's just gibberish. Mm-hmm. Would you expect anything less? Fair. But yes, this week is a Krakow tale, and yeah, and it's it's one that made me uncomfortable. So that's fun. Can't wait. Mm-hmm. Because if it made me uncomfy, I know it's going to make you uncomfy. So yeah, those technical difficulties, I think uh, we can't record right now. Shame. Well, I'll just read it. You can sit there, and if some of it comes through, you know, it'll be fine. We'll, we'll just try it anyway. I'm just going to sit here. Um, I I ordered a gallon of uh, glue on Amazon the other day. I'll just start pouring that into my ears. Then that checks out. I didn't know what to comment on first, the fact that you ordered a gallon of glue or the fact you were going to pour it in your ears to not listen to the story. Well, I mean, I use a lot of glue. Okay, fair. New new math problem for the local school districts is how much glue does Mo use in a year? Well, I, uh, like, it's, it's only been a couple weeks and I got, like, the largest, like, regular squeezy bottle of Elmer's glue at Walmart. Mm-hmm. And it's, I killed it. So I was like, I'm just going to get a gallon and refill this as we go. We have escalated to the industrial measurements of glue. So, the Krakow tale. The tale that Krakow tells. I'm I'm debating if I have the inner strength to do this or not. Well, we'll we'll just go with it and then you let me know along the way. Well, I did read the name of this story. I have never heard of this one. I hadn't heard of this one because thankfully, like in my YouTube recommendations, I'm getting through crime stuff now. So I'm getting some obscure ones that I've never heard of before. So, mm-hmm. well, I mean, you haven't heard of many things, so you have a point. Charles Manson, who's that? Actually, I don't know if we talked about this, but did you see that uh, one of his followers was released from prison? I did not. But yeah, she was released maybe a week or two ago. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I have no idea. This is the one time I don't want to say, I guess we'll find out. I don't, yeah, I don't want, I don't want to find out, no. Yeah, no, I'd rather not. But, for this Krakow tale, we're going back to the 1900s. 
1944 to be specific. You know you you hurt my soul every time you do that, right? Yeah, it's kind of why I do it. I had a feeling. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So to be even more specific, we're going to July 4th, 1944. Around this time, um and I want to go ahead and say this was one of the, another one that this story will mainly be focusing on uh one of the victims who survived. Because oh, I like survivors. As as much as I looked around, I couldn't find much or anything really about the early life of the the killer in this mm-hmm. situation. So it's mainly from the survivor's point of view. So yeah, and when we do have these older stories, it is harder to get some of that information because things weren't documented as well back then. Yeah, I do have a good bit of information, but not so much on how he was raised and things like that. So I don't know if there's any of the usual things that we pick out with serial killers and them growing up, you know, abusive childhoods and different traumatic things happening. But July 4th, 1944, um, 14-year-old Chris Steiner was reported missing from his home in Baraboo, Wisconsin. His dad, Chris, had called the police and told them that he checked on his son at around 10 p.m. the previous night and that he was still in bed asleep. And at first they were like, well, maybe he just, you know, snuck out and went to a party since it's the 4th of July weekend. Maybe he was out partying. But Mm -hmm. unfortunately, days began to pass and he hadn't come home. Oh, no. So this is giving me Skylar Nice vibes. Yeah, but it doesn't quite go that route. So as the days went on and it was clear that he wasn't coming home, that they, um, started, you know, digging a little more into it and trying to figure out what was going on as, you know, he didn't come back. So it's like, clearly he didn't just sneak out for a party. The police suggested that maybe he ran away, but his parents were like, no, that's not possible because everything was fine at home. He had no reason to run away. But when they investigated the home, police found clear signs of an abduction. Oh, no. His bedroom window screen had been sliced open and there were muddy footprints on the carpet and a patio door had been left unlocked. Um, uh, Unfortunately, with this one, local authorities did everything they could to find Chris, but unfortunately, they found his body six days later on July 10th. Uh, It had been draped over a partially submerged tree along the edge of a sandbar in the Wisconsin River. Uh, Originally, they... They were convinced that it was foul play, uh, and there was an autopsy that said that there was no traumatic injuries, so they just kind of ruled it as undetermined officially, but they they said he drowned. But on record, it's, it's, they just said he, it looks like he drowned, but it's officially labeled as undetermined. So he, he drowned, but they're not sure if he drowned on his own or if someone drowned him yeah the the autopsy didn't sh- they didn't see any traumatic injuries to his body so they were like mm-hmm. he's in the river so he must have drowned but they were unsure so they had to put it as undetermined oh god but we're gonna put a pin in that one for now and just over a year later on July 29th 1995 I don't know why I said a year later now 1995 is not a year later from 1944. What was I doing when I wrote this? I don't know. Anyway. Was there a typo? I think I... Was it 1945? 
Ah, so that 44 is supposed to be 94. Okay. Okay. That's where I made the typo. Okay, that's a big difference. All right. Yes, I was like, wow. <laughs> what is it with me in years? I don't know. According to you, everything happens in 1933, so. I mean, it's all in the 1900s. It's close enough, right? I hate you so much. So, after I've corrected myself here. Yes. July 4th, 1994 is when Chris Steiner was reported missing. And about a year later, July 29th, 1995, we're going to put a pin in the the Chris Steiner case there for a moment, and we're going to talk about 13-year-old Thad Phillips. He fell asleep on the couch, but he was later woken up by someone picking him up and carrying him through the house. And naturally, he just thought it was one of his parents taking him to bed, because they've done that many times before. But it became clear that something wasn't quite right when he noticed that he had been carried outside and set down on the ground. <sighs> and he was still getting awake, so he wasn't, like, fully aware of what was going on. But he saw a young man that he didn't recognize, but he said he didn't feel threatened by him because he seemed friendly. This young man was 17-year-old Joseph Clark. I... Clark... I don't hmm? care how friendly someone is, but if they pick me up in the middle of the night and carry me out of my house, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to feel very yeah. threatened. <laughs> yeah, same. But uh, uh, supposedly he was just like, oh, this must be like a family friend. And I guess for some reason, not being fully awake, it didn't click as to why he carried him out of the house like that. But one way or another... They they ended up outside, and uh, apparently, yeah, we're just gonna brush. Apparently, Clark just decided, you know, I'm gonna brush over the whole why I carried you out of your house thing, and he asked Thad to come to his house to help him. It was his house was about a half a mile away from Thad's place, and Joseph Clark said that he needed help with his car, and still being partially asleep, Thad agreed. So. Thad agreed to go help this this man with his car. No context needed, just, you carried me out of my house, you want help with your car that's half a mile away. Okay, cool. Let's go. So once they get to this rundown house, this is the point that Thad began to suspect that he was in trouble and something was not right. I guess the walk, kind of. But being 1995 and... I, I don't know, was was crime as bad then as it is now? Because, I mean, I feel like people kind of would leave their doors unlocked back then. There goes that back then again. He act like people are walking around with, like, corsets and crap. It was the 90s. It wasn't that long ago, Kraken. They had cell phones and internet. Okay, fair, but I'm asking about crime statistics. I know I said back then and that made it sound like I was referring to, you know medieval times but um i mean it was it was pretty comparable uh you mean you you think back over the stories that we cover or the big news things that you've heard of over the years and a lot of stuff happened in the 90s well now these two are at this rundown house and clark introduced himself as joe and stated that he was going to throw a party soon and he named off a few people that were going to be there and even named some of the other boys that thad knew and said that they would all be here soon. And 
while they waited for everyone to get here and for this party to start, supposedly we've moved on from the car and now we're waiting on a party. Um, Joe had asked Thad if he wanted to see his model cars that he had upstairs. I... Thad, at this point, I think, is going along with it because he's unsure of how to get out of this and what's going to happen. Yeah, so, I, I, like, I am confused hearing about this from an outside perspective years later. I can't imagine what is going through his head with all this. Because, like, yeah. hey, just carried you out of your house. It's kind of an introduction. Let's walk half a mile to my house, and you can help me with my car? Random 13-year-old boy I don't really know. Mm -hmm. uh, like, how do you know that that knows how to work on a car? Um, exactly. And then when you get there, it's like, oh, yeah, wait, no, we're going to have a party. You want to see my toy cars? Just did like a 360. <laughs> or excuse me, a 180. Yeah, I was like, 360, what? Yeah. You never do a 360 I'm, and just walk away? Except that when you do a 360, you're in the same spot, so then you're walking where you were. I said what I said. Okay. Anyway. Continue on. So he asked him if he wanted to... We can, we can get through this story. We, we, we can do you it. You think so? No. We can try, though. <laughs> so, Thad having no idea what's going on, he agrees to go see these model cars, and he follows Joe upstairs. Once in Joe's room, this is the point where it really did take a turn. Uh, apparently, he grabbed Thad and threw him onto a dirty bed before jumping on top of him. And he, Joe grabbed Thad's ankle and began violently twisting his foot around until he snapped his ankle. Oh, my. I know we talked about this last time about how hard it is to break bones. Mm -hmm. It is not easy. Yeah. That's... It gets worse. Oh, God. But, like... Oh, God. Okay. Now, I do have a question. Did you see is... I know Joe is a few years older than Thad, but was he, is he, like, a big dude? Is he, like, super strong, and that's how he was able to snap the kid's ankle? From what I could see, I mean, he was about the average size of a 17-year-old. He wasn't, like, extremely buff. He, there wasn't anything that said that he worked out a lot, so he wasn't, like, overly muscular. He's just older and stronger than this kid. Oh, God. <sighs> so, after this, now Thad really realizes what kind of danger he's in. Yeah. So he, Thad managed to get work himself free from his grasp. He just kind of wiggled his way out of his grip. And then he limped back down the stairs where eventually Joe caught up with him and threw him onto the couch. And Thad was understandably very confused and was trying to reason with Joe, stating that he wouldn't say anything if he let him go, that he would say he tripped over a table. But Joe was just like, no one's going to believe that. And then... Thad continued questioning him, trying to prolong him doing anything, so he asked why he's doing this, to which Joe simply stated that he enjoyed the sound and feeling of bones breaking whenever he wanted. Ah! No! Unfortunately, yes. Please. Joe, uh, Joe is fascinated with, um, bones breaking, and he, uh, ha he's... 
He likes the power of being able to break them whenever he feels like it. Hey. That's that's why he was doing this. Hey. Okay. Joe even claimed that he had done this before, and then that's when he started describing how much he loved it. And at that point, he took Thad's leg and pushed it up toward his head, so sort of folded his leg up toward his head and leaned on it until his thigh snapped. Isn't that the femur? Yeah. That's the hardest bone in the body to break. That's insane. He just kind of... Apparently, he just, like, bent his leg up. I guess, like, if you were in a sitting position and you just pull your leg up toward yourself, he just did that and then just put all his weight behind it. Yeah, it's just, that's, that's, that's great. That's, like, I, 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 I understand it. I believe it. I just, that's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, after breaking the bones, Joe would attempt to provide medical care by wrapping Thad's legs with ace bandages and socks in a poor attempt to provide some medical care to bandage his legs. What? And uh, sometimes with these broken legs, Thad was forced to wear leg braces and try to walk. Was he given any like pain medication? Nope. Oh my god. And Thad even stated that often after Joe would bandage him up, he would then stomp on his legs. Oh, God. And Joe used Thad and his other victims as a way to that he would deal with his daily frustrations. Uh, On one occasion, Joe's car wouldn't start. As we mentioned, he has car issues. And being frustrated that his car wouldn't start, he twisted Thad's leg until they broke. And then he shattered both of his knees and then jumped on his chest. Because his car wouldn't start. <gasps> oh my god. Uh, he's pretty much, it seems he's using his victims as like a punching bag, basically. Like, we have we have seen and heard so many weird things. And I'm struggling to compute. And that may partly be because this week has been insane. Mm. It may partly be because I'm still angry at my microphone but I think most of it is because this is just so out there yeah I I don't recall any serial killer that specifically chose to break bones well I and like here he is leaving someone alive so he can just continue to break their bones yeah the whole leg bandaging thing sounds like he wants to try to let them heal so he can just break them again Yeah, and it's like, I know that there are people with anger issues who break things, like inanimate objects, walls, things like that, but a person? Well, any time that Thad would attempt to escape, the punishment got worse, and... Thad obviously didn't give up. He he was still, he tried everything he could to get away. Um... It even went as far as Joe tried to suffocate him with a pillow. Unsuccessfully, but there was an attempt. Well, I'm glad it was unsuccessful. But it gets weirder. Oh, no. Between the violent outbursts, Joe would pretend to be friends with Thad, and whenever he wasn't breaking his legs, Joe would carry him downstairs to the couch where they would watch movies and just have a conversation like nothing happened, like they're just hanging out. Oh my god. 
Joe would even talk about his family, his car, his girlfriend that would later visit while Thad was upstairs and how he lived in this house with his old, with his brother. And surprisingly enough, Joe confessed to murdering two other boys. I'm trying to unpack. So he thinks they're friends. Mm-hmm. Like, not Thad. Joe thinks they're friends. And confesses to him, mm-hmm. which means they're like besties or whatever. But then he just... Makes it sound like mood swings or like bipolar or something. I No, I wouldn't call this bipolar. So bipolar is when you go between manic and depression. Okay, uh, fair. So you'll you'll be like super amped up. And then you'll crash into yeah. a depression. Whereas this sounds, this sounds like, obviously I'm not a doctor or anything like that, but it does sound like almost not a split personality, but it's like the different sections of his brain don't seem to be talking to each other. Yeah, exactly. Cause it's like, he's going from this angry person to just, so what are we doing now? Want to watch a movie? Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know what? I busted your legs. Let's watch a movie. It's fine. Let's go downstairs and be friends. I'll make popcorn. Yeah, and then, like, to confess to murder. Yeah. To someone. And, like, I know he thinks they're friends, but, like, they barely know each other. You know, like... Exactly, yeah. On any kind of deep level, it's... This is weird. Mm -hmm. This is weird, Cracko. Yeah. So, one afternoon, while Joe was out, Thad managed to crawl out of bed and drag himself down the stairs. Um, Joe had, whenever he did this, he just left him on the bed upstairs because he was like, well, I, I broke his legs. He's not going to go anywhere. But that didn't that didn't stop Thad. Um, as he was t- getting down the stairs, uh, he would pass out several times because of the pain. But he finally made it to the kitchen. But at that time, by the time he got into the kitchen, Joe came back with his girlfriend. And the two sat on the couch for a while, unaware that Thad was lying in the kitchen. But unfortunately, when uh, his girlfriend left, he discovered Thad on the floor. And once he was over the shock of seeing him all the way downstairs in the kitchen... He dragged him back upstairs and threatened to kill him for the first time. Yeah, and I just... Because I... before, he'd done all of this trying to suffocate him and all of that, but he never directly threatened to kill him, despite all of that. I, I'm... I'm trying... So you know how I am. I always try to figure out the puzzle pieces inside the, the, the killer or the criminal or whatever. And these puzzle pieces don't line up oh, you're my friend, but I'm going to beat you and threaten to kill you and I won't give you any pain medication, so you're in agony. But I'm going to try to heal you so that I can hurt you again. Like, it's so bizarre. It's just a lot that don't really make sense. Yeah, it doesn't line up. No, it doesn't. So after the first escape attempt uh, on July 30th, 
Joe left the house again, but this time he wanted to make sure that Thad wasn't going to go anywhere, so he locked him in the bedroom closet before leaving. What? But almost immediately after Joe left, Thad started looking around for something that he could use to get out of the closet and try to escape again, and he found a heavy electric guitar that he would then use to break down the closet door. I mean, I'm glad he found that. Yeah. But that's... The closet? Yeah, I guess he thought if I lock you in the closet, there's nowhere to go because you're locked in there. How are you going to get out of a locked closet? But I guess he forgot that there was a guitar in there that he could break the door down. That or he thought he wouldn't. Yeah, or he thought he couldn't. Yeah. I mean, I've never tried to break down a closet door, but I imagine it's not very easy. Especially when you have broken legs and probably aren't eating and drinking properly. And so you're like weak and oh yeah he he like over the few days that he was there as far as i'm aware like he may have been giving a given a little bit of like food but like other than that he wasn't really giving him food or water he was he was just kind of there wait, 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 wait. this was only over a few days uh he was only held captive about 48 hours and all of this stuff happened yeah it was all over the period of 48 hours he was uh he fell asleep on the couch the night of the, the 29th and he was found uh, on the afternoon of the 30th. This... Uh, this was all basically took place between over the course of a night and a day. I... I this is like weeks worth of stuff here. <laughs> yeah, but apparently all of this took place in just over just 48 hours. I kind of wish we did a video podcast right now because my face. Yeah. I, I, it sounds like he was there for weeks, but actually he was he wasn't there that long. But I'm sure it felt like a whole lot longer. He went through all of this torture in such a small amount of time. Yeah. Oh my god! Thankfully, it was only a small amount of time. Oh my god! Imagine if he had actually been there for weeks. He wouldn't have survived. I don't think. Yeah. Because on the 30th, again, he used this heavy electric guitar that he broke down the closet door. And he was obviously, as you said, weary from both pain and dehydration. But he managed to throw himself down the stairs again and make his way to the kitchen, passing out along the way. And he finally made it to the phone. And thankfully, Joe had a phone that had the really long curly cord that hung down to the floor. Oh, yeah, I'm familiar. I am familiar. Yeah, because uh, that's what—that's how Thad contacted the police. He jiggled the cord until the phone fell off of the wall. Oh, wow. Yeah, like nowadays, that that wouldn't... Like, we don't even have a house phone. But yeah, growing up, we, ha we had that cord. Yeah. And then, like, you would go and you would stretch the cord as far as possible. So you could sit on the sofa and mm -hmm. talk to your friends. <laughs> and uh, then you would always have because like, for I don't know how or why, but those those phone cords would always get that the the curls got boogered, and they would end up one of them would end up going the wrong way. Yes, so then you were always trying to fix it because what else are you gonna do while you're sitting on the phone because. You couldn't really, like, go anywhere. Uh, the curly phone cord, the original fidget toy. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, because, like, back then... So this is before I had a cell phone, obviously. Um, 
you know, I would sit and talk to my friends for like hours on the phone to the point that my parents are like, will you please get off the phone? Uh, and now if you call me, don't. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> like, it's so strange how time has changed. So when he got this phone off of the hook, uh, he was actually coherent enough to explain roughly where he was at and what had happened because actually there's a, a, a few videos of an interview that he did telling his story and then you can hear the 911 phone call he was very calm on the phone and just saying yeah I've been kidnapped this this guy's hurting me I need I, I need police and like he you could tell he was distressed but mm -hmm. he wasn't like sobbing and yeah. panicky I wonder if maybe he was in a, a little bit of a state of shock. And it could be. I mean... After not, all of that, I'm sure the adrenaline was going. Well, yeah, and, like, I'm sure his body just was to the point that it couldn't take anymore. I mean, like, he had broken legs, broken knees, mm -hmm. probably broken... Because I think you said he stood on his chest or something like that. Like, he had a lot yeah. of broken bones... He had a lot of psychological trauma, and we'll uh, we'll get into the details of what was going on with his legs once he once oh, no. we continue on here. So yeah, but like he said, he like threw himself down the stairs. I'm sure that hurt yeah. him as well. And then you know his body probably just kind of went into like shut down survival mode and just was like. You know, the emotion's gone, the yeah. adrenaline's gone, it's just like, you know, deadpan. Yeah, this was, this was, seems like it was like the last es escape attempt, like this was all he had left. Oh, God. And thankfully it worked. Yeah. Because they were, they were able to trace the call and get to his house pretty quickly. Uh, Joe actually awesome. hadn't even returned when the police got there. That's awesome, which is like... I just, you know, I just said that poor kid. I almost forgot that we're talking about a 13-year-old kid here. Yeah. Like... And it was a 17-year-old that was doing all of this. But as I said, he had been kidnapped and gone through all of this for just about, like, 43 to 48 hours. Wow. But when he got to the hospital, he had serious internal bleeding, and the doctor said that he was likely just hours away from dying had he not gotten to the phone when he did. Oh my god. Um, his body was described as something you'd only see with a bad car crash victim. Um, his legs were broken in four places, and it was said that the skin on his feet had become like rubber, and his toes were pointing in all the wrong directions. Oh god. But because of all of that, Thad could only remember, um, when Joe was telling him the names of the two other boys that he had supposedly murdered, Joe called them by name, but Thad could only remember the name of one of the two boys. He said he could remember that the first name was Chris and that the last name started with an S whenever they were asking him. So they were like, this is enough to go on. So his dad set him down with, and started listing off names in the phone book, trying to see if one of them stood out to him. And he picked out the name Chris Steiner. Oh, Wow. So because of that, they reopened his case and they exhumed the body to do another autopsy. And I don't know how they missed this in the first autopsy, but it was confirmed that Chris's legs had been broken the same way as Thad's. 
Well, it could have just been... I mean, he was found in a river. Yeah, it, they it could have They could been. have thought he drowned and these were post-mortem wounds. Yeah, it could be. But thankfully, they, like I said, they were able to reopen it and confirm that, like, it's the same. Wow. It gets a little weirder. We're not quite done. Why would we be? After Joe was arrested and Thad had spoken to police, they decided to search Joe's house. They found a list with around 29 names that were separated into three categories. Can wait, get to know, and the leg thing. Uh, Let you process that one for a minute. I, uh, 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 can wait for what? Um, what does getting to know mean? And no to the leg thing. Yeah, I think we can assume what the leg thing is. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so... Thad, he just abducted one night. Mm-hmm. But if it's getting to know, that sounds like, you know, taking your time with this person, getting to know them, you know, mm-hmm. seeing them, earning their trust, yada yada. So either yeah i couldn't seem to find like what names were on this list so like i don't know if thads was on here under what category or if this was just like a random thing yeah that he had seen him in the neighborhood before and was just gonna go for it i I, I don't don't know yeah it's just it's just very odd like again the pieces the things things aren't aligning aligning stuff isn't making sense it, it's really not. But I like things to make sense. Well, this one just doesn't. Damn it, Crackle. So when they arrested Joe, um, he had actually admitted to kidnapping Thad, but he insisted that he just wanted to hang out. You don't kidnap someone if you just want to hang out. I don't. I don't yeah, I don't, I don't think that's how that works. It, it's, it's not. If you want to just hang out with someone, you, you know... Kind of talk to them. Yeah, you meet them. You're like, hey, you, you want to hang out? You get to know them, but not yeah. in the creepy list way. Yeah, you're just like, hey, let's get a burger. Yeah. Let's go to the arcade. Not... Not, hey, come back to my house and see my model cars, which don't exist, but I'm actually just going to break your legs. Yeah. Something tells me that in the the list of ways to make friends, breaking their legs is not high on that list. I don't think it is. Like, I've never seen in an article, 10 ways to make friends. Number one, break their legs. Yeah. Although, maybe we should give it a try. Cracko, I have a baseball bat. If you want to come here. I think I'm good. Uh, I'll let you pet Wedge. I know this is a trap. I know he'll run from me because I'm a stranger. I'll let you pet Biggs. I'll consider it. We're We're just trying to see how good of a friendship we have. Okay. Not concerned at all. I mean, this is how you make friends. I break your legs and then we watch a movie. Yeah, I'll even let you pick the movie. 
Well, if it's if, if we can find Wedge, it'll be the Avengers. But you know, he does lost his Avengers. Moving on. So he had, Joe admitted to kidnapping Thad, but when he was asked about Thad's injuries, he claimed that he didn't know how it happened because he just kind of blacked out. He blacked out for forty-eight hours. I guess. While a miner was in his home being destroyed? That or he's saying he blacked out during the attacks. Sounds convenient. Oh, I just blacked out. Sounds a little sus. Yeah. It's more pieces that aren't really connecting. But you will be happy to know that Thad wasn't done yet with Joe. Thad was ready to get out of the hospital and go testify against him in court. I like this kid. Yeah, that's all the interviews and stuff that I could see was like, he's got a fighting spirit because not only did he try to escape multiple times and then finally succeed, he wanted to get out of the hospital and go testify. I, I, I'm, I'm still at the beginning of the story trying to catch up. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's such a roller coaster. Yeah. It's okay. You'll you'll get there. You'll be you'll be laying in bed later, and you'll just be like, "Wait a minute." It's like I finally I finally processed. Let's talk about it now. Yeah. We should have a part two to this one where we just come back and discuss it. It's just me going like so, like I can't even. <laughs> that's just the whole episode right there. I mean, that's understandable. I couldn't while I was reading this. But somehow I did because I wrote up the notes on it. So <sighs> somehow you did. Yeah, somehow. I only made one typo so far that I've noticed. Uh, you know, it was only 50 years off. It's fine. Yeah, you know, it's fine. It's close enough, you know. So Joe was being charged with attempted first degree intent or why did I wrote it how I read it. Is this an, I just got through talking about my typos because that just didn't hit the ear right for me. I wrote attempted first degree intentional homicide. Is it intentional if it's attempted? Like, is, yes. or am I just mixing my words up again? Yes. So attempted means that you, you tried to failed. Basically, you, you tried to. It didn't actually work. But um, so you can have attempted homicide, attempted robbery, attempt like it just means that you failed. Yeah, so that's an instance of my brain getting words mixed around. Got it. Yeah, and then the intentional homicide means that his intent was to kill this kid. Yeah. He was he was trying to to take a life. It's just that he failed. Yeah. So, attempted first degree intentional homicide Great bod causing great bodily harm to a child, mayhem, intent to disable or disfigure, causing mental harm to a child, and child enticement. Yeah, um, yeah, that'd cover it. Uh, he would then actually plead no contest and not guilty due to mental disease or defect. Uh, his defense argued that uh, his biological mom, because Joe was adopted. Okay. Uh, his biological mom was a heavy drug user during pregnancy and that he had suffered a head injury from a bike crash the previous year. And his adoptive mother even backed him up, claiming that if Joe had left home to go kidnap this kid or whatever, she would have heard him because he would have passed right by her bedroom. 
but they ruled that out because she was a heavy sleeper and he had managed to sneak out once before. So now Joe has no alibi and he was found guilty and originally sentenced to a hundred years in prison. But apparently that wasn't enough because they wanted to be sure that he never got out and they asked Thad to return and testify again in a case about Chris Steiner. They wanted to get him for both. Uh, okay, so they, it was different trials. They, yeah, they had two different trials before they finally sentenced him. Okay, because uh, a lot of times they'll just be like, all right, here's your bad guy, lay it on there. So they separated Chris Steiner from that. Yeah, they, they gave him two separate trials for that one. Um, here's where it gets a little more odd. And I apologize. It, it gets it gets more. Yeah, because um, before the second trial about Chris Steiner, Joe's 15 year old neighbor, Michael Hibbs, went to Thad's house and shot him twice in the back with a hunting rifle because he was upset at what uh, about Thad testifying against Joe in that first trial and getting him in trouble. What? Because Michael and Joe were kind of close friends and Michael didn't take too kindly to Thad testifying against him. He survived, by the way. Thad was fine after this. I'm very glad he survived. I'm just... I... The, I'm the one in shock right now. So this kid thought he and Joe were real good friends, so he shot someone that testified truthfully in the trial. You shouldn't shoot anyone, but I'm just adding on that it makes it even worse because it's not like, like, what is the reason other than, like, I just, <sighs> yeah. Okay. So. Just, like, I, yeah, but this didn't, this didn't stop Thad. This still didn't stop him because he, like I said, he survived and he attended the second trial. They just pushed it back a few days to give him time to get better. But he was like, I'm, I'm coming back. <sighs> so at this second trial, Joe was officially sentenced to 100 years in prison, plus a life parole or life sentence, life parole, <laughs> life sentence without parole, life parole and a debt of $21 million that was owed to Thad and his family. But unfortunately, Thad claims that he hasn't received any of that money. Well, I, I kind of wonder, like, how is Joe supposed to pay that? He's in prison. He can't work. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how that works. Yeah. Like, is, does, like, how does he earn the money to pay that? I'm I'm not sure. Which might be why it hasn't been paid. Which is it's, it's horrible, it's shitty. Yeah. And the kid doesn't deserve that, but I'm just curious as to how he's supposed to pay it. Yeah, I don't I don't know. But thankfully, uh actually there was a recent article that, that was posted, I guess for some reason the story surfaced a little bit and uh I think it was just last year that uh, a local couple saw this story and they set up a GoFundMe for Thad recently to, to raise the money that he was awarded. I forgot how much they've raised so far, but they're trying to get him his money for his medical bills. But he actually 
despite the legs and all of that that was wrong, he just has a permanent limp now. He was able to walk again, but he just has a, a limp. I was going to ask if he had any, like, long-term physical... Um... I'm sure there's probably some deformation and scarring, but, like, mm-hmm. as far as him walking, he can walk. He just has a limp. But, yeah, he can walk, and he's obviously alive. Um... Yeah, he's alive. He's he's fine. So he was 13 back in 95, which means he was 23 in 2005. So he's he's going to be a 30. He's in his 30s, right? Think, you're asking me to do math. Just smile and nod. But yeah. Yes, that is correct. Well, I am I am very glad that he survived. Uh, it's really did were they ever able to so they identified Chris Steiner. Were they ever able to find the other boy that he supposedly confessed to? Unfortunately not. Thad couldn't remember anything with the name of that one, so that one is still unsolved. We're we're not sure if if it was two or if it was just yeah. Chris and Thad. Yeah. I didn't know if maybe he Sometimes criminals, once they're incarcerated for life, will... Oh, no, in in prison, because Thad's actually... Or Joe, I'm sorry. Joe from prison has actually done some interviews before people that want to get his side of the story and everything, and he claims that he didn't do it. He he, he claims that he he kidnapped Thad and that he was still isn't sure how the injuries happened, but he's denying he having just wanted anything to, hang to do with out. Chris. Yeah, he's denying Ugh. having anything to do with the Chris case. I don't like this guy. Yeah. Something doesn't smell right. I, I don't know what that actually means, because, like, it's a digital document. I can't smell anything. But they always say that, so. Yeah, that's that's the uncomfy story for today. That's crazy. That is crazy. And I do wonder, because, like you said, there there were two to three if... Joe hadn't been caught, I feel he would not have stopped. Yeah, because like I said, he had like 29 names on that list, so... Yeah, that's that's crazy. Who knows? I wonder if, like, obviously this isn't something that would have turned up in your research, uh, but I wonder if police went to all the victim, all the people on that list to see if they had encountered him or, you know... I'm sure they probably followed up, but yeah, yeah. There, there wasn't... There wasn't any actually anything on Michael that shot Thad. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anything on what his sentence was or how they treated it. And yeah. it was just this. So yeah. I'm, I'm unsure on, on those two things, but I'm sure they would have probably checked in on them. Yeah, well, like the the names on that list, they wouldn't release that because, you know, yeah, they weren't victims. Just leave them, leave their privacy and everything. They were just on this weird notebook. Yeah, but that is a crazy story. Mm. Made me uncomfy because I'm just like I can't imagine the whole bone breaking thing. Oh yeah, that that freaks me. Doing out. that or going through that—that's just yeah. No. Yeah, I will say you find the strangest stories. Yeah, that's what I do. Well, you're good at it. Thanks. All right. Well, thank you for your story. Um. As always, not a good story, but well done. Interesting. I got a lot to sort through tonight now. <laughs> yeah. But. Have fun with that one. Yeah. Fun. 
But thank you very much, Krakow. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We do truly appreciate As it. As always, make well, sure we'll to see check out our week. website for all of Have the show one. notes, sources, and more information at thesquonkandthehag.com. And we would also love and appreciate your support by either leaving a review on iTunes or through small monthly donations using the viewer support link in the description. And if you don't subscribe, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast network to get notified of new episodes every Thursday. All right, Krakow, you ready? Goodbye. Okay,